Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know what? I am pretty excited today. We have had some monumental movements in our world at VIP and just in the area this week, and it has gotten me really excited. So you know what? I'm going to issue all of you a challenge that are listening to this today. I want to hear what's got you going this week. What huge accomplishments have you had? So be sure and send those to me at chasten at wearevip.com or share them with me on LinkedIn, okay? Because I really want to hear what's going on. Now, you know, of course, we're here. We're going to talk to another expert, another thought leader, another author. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Anthony Quo, career satisfaction coach and founder of Untamed Career. Anthony spent years climbing the corporate ladder before realizing how unhappy he was. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? His goal is to help individuals recraft their career without just polishing up their resume and getting some interview. He really wants individuals to do the inner work. We've talked about this instead and help them dig a little deeper. He believes that crafting a career you love and want to wake up for does not have to be hard. So with all that fanfare, welcome to the show, Anthony. Thanks so much. It's really good to be here. Yeah, I love that we have such a similar passion and that we want people to truly figure out what it is, what they want to do in life so that they never really have to work a day in their life. Yeah, I mean, it it certainly is personal for me. I, I created a lot of what I teach in large part in hopes of teaching it to my inner 25-year-old who was lost and really miserable. I love how you just said that. Okay, we're going to dig into all that, but before we do... <laughs> I have to ask you the question that I ask everyone. How did we get connected? We were introduced by a mutual connection. Um, Anne Ryan, fellow mm -hmm. career coach, does amazing work also. She absolutely does. And she actually introduced me to another one of our podcast guests, Ellen Lykin, whose episode has already dropped. So I encourage everybody, if you haven't listened to that, it's a very interesting episode. Can anybody say poker face? Actually, I was going to try to sing it, and then I was like, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> you know, go all uh, Lady Gaga on them. I'm not. I, that's not what. No. Stick your skills. That's not mine. <laughs> it's not mine either. That's why I like stopped. I was like. It, it, it's it not my so skill bad or, my, or my. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us today and for sharing your valuable time with us. And it's just, it's so amazing to have you here. But I want to know, as a career coach and founder of Untamed Career, you have mm -hmm. a couple of different workshops for your clients. And one of them is called Plan Your Career Pivot. Can you tell us what a career pivot entails? What does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, so I think actually in, to answer this question, it's helpful to talk about what a career pivot does not necessarily entail because we have this tendency to think about how I want to blow everything up, right? 
when you're in the midst of how miserable you are, it can be really easy to talk about, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow, rage quit. I'm going to change my field. I'm going to, you know, flip everyone the bird and tell them where to shove it. I'm going to move to another country and that feels better, right? Just cut that off my chest. <laughs> and the problem with that, although it's fun and entertaining and probably cathartic to think about it that way, it makes it really big and scary. And that tends to keep you stuck instead of looking at what is actually necessary. I encourage people to talk about like, what is, to think about what is the 80-20, right? What are the 20% of shifts that will produce the 80% of improvement and impact in your life so that you don't have to like smash into a, into a wall of resistance. And instead of taking a hard left turn, you can have a gentle, uh, a gentle curve if that is what you want. Now, sometimes a hard, a hard turn is what is necessary, but we have agency in the process of deciding how much change do you want? How fast do you want it? How disruptive are you willing to let it be? I, you know, and I, I think that's beautiful. So, you know, we talked about this in our initial conversation that, you know, I went, I made a career pivot. And so I'm curious to get your input as to whether you think it was a slight bend mm -hmm. or a complete 180, okay? So going from being an accountant to being a recruiter for accountants, what do you think? I mean, I think that I, I'm honestly not going to be the person to answer this because it depends on what it was for you, right? Did oh. you find that? Did you find that to be disruptive to your life, or was that a simple, like, oh, I just stepped right into it? It just sort of happened without me noticing. Oh, good job, coach. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> um, okay. Because um, I can I... tell you what it would be for me, but. I want to hear what your experience was. Yeah, that was a perfect coach question. Perfect. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I think it was a pretty big pivot because it was, I mean, I went from isolation and spreadsheets to sales. Even though it was sales for what I knew, but it was still completely different from the world that I had just most recently been in. Mm -hmm. So I'd say more than a slight bend. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like a, and how, how much time did you take to do that? Uh, well, I didn't give myself a lot of time, but yeah. there was a ramp up period. So, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I literally went from accounting to recruiting, like boom, boom. And then, um, but it took me about a year to ramp up. You know, once I got a job recruiting, it, it really took about a year to ramp up, but I had that safety net because I already had a job, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds, that sounds really remarkable. Yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, I obviously took a big chance and I know, I believe you did too, didn't you? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I was, I worked in uh, the marketing and analytics world for major um, food manufacturing companies. And I was doing that for seven years, as you said, climbing up the corporate ladder and noticing that I was wanting more. So I, I imagine we shared this in common in common with pretty much everyone else who seeks a career pivot is that they're doing something and they're wanting more from that experience. And so I went through this whole process of figuring out, well, what is it that I'm wanting more of? Like, why do I feel empty when I come home from work, right? As opposed to 
Uh, I like to distinguish between coming home and being totally spent versus well used. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, because um, there's like a difference between that type of like exhaustion where you can't do anything versus the like tired knowing that you've put your effort to good use. Uh, that, that's a um, really good distinction. Yeah. So I was noting myself in the not so good form of that. <laughs> um, and a career, to answer your original question, a career pivot is, is when you notice these things, you notice your dissatisfaction, you start to ask questions of yourself of like, mm -hmm. what am I needing? What am I wanting? Where can I get that? How can I make that a reality? And from that inner work, then we can extend out into external actions to do the things like, all right, well, let me talk to some people. Let me meet someone. Let me find out what opportunities are out there. And then you get into more of the traditional path stuff around resumes and interviewing and talking to a recruiter to help make the connection. That's really good. And I, and so I, what I just heard you say is that like, when you do feel like, cause a lot of people are like, well, should I make a career pivot? Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like you just gave them the recipe. Like if you were coming home and you're completely spent and you have nothing left, no energy left then, and you're not fulfilled. And I always ask people, what makes you happy to get up to go to and go to work in the morning? And if you're not reaching out for that, maybe it's time to think about pivoting. Maybe you, and maybe like me, I was completely misaligned in my first career, completely. And I had a state, I could have stayed in it. It would have been fine, but I wouldn't have been fulfilled. I wouldn't have been happy. And that's yeah. what I know you want to help people do. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know a lot of people are, let me ask you this. Why do you think so many people get stuck in their careers for years before making a change? I mean, I think there's a lot of really big reasons for this and, and they're all legitimate, right? Um, one of them is that, like, like it was mentioned earlier, we make, we kind of psych ourselves out of it. Career change can be a really big and scary thing, especially when you're not quite sure where you want to land. It can feel really scary to have that like unknown. Um, also, we tend to also have responsibilities and families and people that are that that we're providing for, and our salary maintains a certain level of uh, mm -hmm. of lifestyle, right? So that can, again, in the absence of a viable path or an alternative option, our brains default to, well, this is big fat zero. So it's either this or zero, yeah. <laughs> which is what do you think your brain's going to do, right? Um, and there's a third thing that I, I actually want to spend just a bit of time talking about, um, which is people stay stuck because they get really good at coping, mm. right? Um, so all the things that we typically think of as really productive stress management tools, like gratitude, journaling, meditation, all of this, they're, they're really powerful and they're wonderful and they work. And that's actually part of the problem is that they work because it can, it can feed into something that I call the misery cycle where something happens, you're not happy about it. You might spend a little bit of time complaining about it and then you go home and then you you know, put on your headspace and do your 10 minutes of meditation. And then you write in your gratitude journal, like three things I'm grateful for today. And it works. You know, you sign up for all that for the attitude adjustment, and then you get the attitude adjustment. And tomorrow you wake up feeling better, like, ha, huh, I can breathe again. 
But what happened is nothing changed, <laughs> right? And our dissatisfaction is a really useful piece of information that's uncomfortable to be with, but it's really important signals to listen to and get curious about. I feel like you've been spying on me. <laughs> Because this is what I do every morning is I meditate and I journal and then I do it and do the, my gratitudes, right? And then I do it again mm -hmm. at night. And so I'm like, have you been watching me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do these practices myself too. And I like doing them in the morning to, to sort of set myself up. Mm -hmm. But I don't like it as, or, or I mean, not that I don't like it, but I, I find it that it can be seductive as an alternative to sitting with the uncomfortable reality of if I'm coming home so tired and so miserable, there's something that needs to be looked at here. Okay. It's almost like when you, when you use it as an Advil to cover up something when you should be really looking at the, at the uh, root cause. Okay. I'm going to have to really sit with that because that's a very <laughs> different way to look at it. And I don't disagree with you. I've just, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, like my go-to when I'm upset or when I have a problem that I can't fix right away, I mean, my go-to mm -hmm. is meditation. And I do feel better afterwards, which is why I mm -hmm. do it. And um, so, yeah, I need, to, I need to ponder what you said. I'm going to have to <laughs> give that some thought. So, okay. So if someone knows they're unhappy, okay, they've done that reflection, they've said, okay, I'm in that... I'm spent phase, right? Someone knows mm -hmm. they're unhappy in their career, but aren't sure what they want to do next. What steps should they take? Yeah, this is a um, figuring out what you want to do next. Like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm -hmm. That's a really big question, even though if it's like a, it's simply stated. Um, so what I help my clients do and how I teach them to do it um, is to break it up into smaller pieces, mm. keep it manageable, right? So actually do it in three main stages. The first stage is really on the inner work, like who are you? What do you need to thrive? I have a concept called the care card where it's kind of like, I explained this to you when we first met, um, you know, it's like when you buy a plant and you take it home, it's got a little tag that tells you like how much sun it needs, how much watering it needs. Basically, how do you take care of this? How do you make it happy? How do you make sure it doesn't die on the vine, right? So how, what if we had one of those for ourselves? What if we knew exactly how to take care for ourselves, so that you can go to work and advocate for yourself and, or, you know, the advocation could be you have an uncomfortable meeting or it could be all the way to, I'm gonna find myself in a different field. So that's the first thing. Um, once you have that understanding about yourself, then you can start to set your destination and ask yourself, how do I get this met? There's a lot of exploration we can do around there. And then once you've set your, uh, set your destination, then it really becomes about making it a reality. How do you find yourself in the position instead of just, you know, how do you take it from an, an idea and a desire that you want and bring it down into like concrete, tangible reality? I think that's beautiful. And I, I think you'll be very proud to know that I have a care card now. Yay. <laughs> I so really exciting. Do. I love when you explained that concept to me. And I was like, you know, we talk a lot about self-care, but if you don't 
I mean, when it's just like you said, it's the abstract, you don't have those clear directions. It's real easy not to do it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, um, and I won't tell you everything that's on my care card because some of it's my business. Um, but <laughs> it can feel of, quite personal. Oh, yeah, for sure it does. But part of my care card is really scheduling time because I love to read. I think we talked about that. And usually when I get busy, that's the first thing that I cut out of my schedule. Mm. That and exercise. I don't feel so bad about exercise, though. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm exercising now. Thank you. Um, that's part of my care. Um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, I want to thank you for that because it's really given me like a map of things to do to make sure that I take care of me first. Mm. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I mean, it's so important. I think when people impact your life, even if it's small, large, whatever it is, I'm a huge believer in sharing that back with those people when I can, it's not always possible. But another thing I love to do is like, when I hear people complimenting other people, like behind their back, mm -hmm. I love to go share that information. Say, this person was talking about you behind your back and tell them what they said, you know? <laughs> Only when it's yeah. good. Only when it's good. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> Positive gossip, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now we know the next steps to the new career. But when making a complete career change, how can mm -hmm. someone transition to a new field without starting over at the bottom or going back to school, you know, especially um, if, if you don't have that relevant experience? Yeah. Thank you for asking this because it's a, it's a really common misconception people have that like, oh, if I go into something new, I have to start all the way at the bottom. Like, I don't have time for going back to school or I don't want to be getting coffee again. And in most cases, you really don't need to. Um, you know, we hear about the, the the term transferable skills, right? That's a very hot term, a very hot buzzword. And I think it, it's it's a good way to think about it. Um, and it can be a little bit surfacey. And so the way I prefer to talk about it and how I teach my clients to think about it is to think about, well, what are your favorite problems to solve? What are the problems that don't even feel like problems? You just like find yourself absorbed in something and you're really enjoying doing it. And how might that map to a problem that somebody else is having? And if you can articulate it that way, right? And if you can connect to what is painful about that problem for somebody else, then all of a sudden you have value. There's, there's value in and connecting it and and it's like somebody could be struggling I, I know that um for me personally in my business i sometimes struggle with structure like project planning it's something i can do but i have to think really hard about it. i need to sit down and just kind of put more brain energy than i think is worth <laughs> um and i have someone on my team who I recently brought on and she just secretes SOPs and project <laughs> plans and Gantt charts like in her sleep. And I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm looking at an alien, <laughs> right? She, that's just the sort of thing she enjoys doing. It's her superpower. And so if you root in, well, what is my superpower and strip away temporarily the context of how you're using it in a particular job, if that's how you are as a person, that's how you're gonna show up 
here, it's how you're going to show up here, right? So when you take that, that's portable. That's what's transferable. It's not the skill necessarily. It's the, the like, it's something deeper than the skill. It's, it's rooted in who you are. How do you express that? And when you can talk about that, that's how we can start to translate it into the value ladders and articulating to other people, well, you should hire me at this level instead of this level. I, you know, and I think that is so important. And I think you said a lot there more than just, you know, how do you not have to start back at the bottom? Because, you know, what I heard you also saying is do the inner work, know what your strengths yeah. are, know where your passion lies and what's going to make you mm -hmm. happy because that's where you're going to really shine, you know? Yeah. And again, and I don't mean to keep bringing it back to me, but I, I know me better than anybody else. You know, I, for me, you know, being in accounting was a struggle because I am absolutely not wired to be an accountant. I know that now, but I did not learn that until way later in life, you know, and I don't regret spending 20 years in accounting, but I do, you know, I do want to help people. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping young executives to figure it out early in life. So you don't have to not necessarily waste yeah. the time, but you don't have to go through the struggle of doing something you're not wired to do and being misaligned in your career. Can I, can I share something with you about Please. that? Yeah. Cause I, I hear, I hear a lot of in, in my clientele, I, I hear a lot of people talking about like, Oh, I spent 15 years. I spent 20 years. Oh, I kind of wasted my time. Um, I just want to reframe that a little bit because um, when uh, when you look, take a deeper look at your care card, something has to have been met in order for you to have to stayed for 20 years. Something has to have worked for you, right? Because as human beings, we're always choosing the best item that is available for us. And, you know, perhaps something other than accounting wasn't available for a while, mm -hmm. but something about it was working. And, 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 you know, we don't need to get into it right now, but I, I am really curious about like what that might've been for you. And I suspect when you, you know, go back to your care card, you might find something there, or you might say, oh, this is something that uh, I should add to my care card. I can tell you, I don't mind telling you, I know exactly what it is because okay. I, I've really thought about it. So the company that I worked for, um, and I was there for 13 years, right? And mm -hmm. prior to that, I owned my own business, okay? And I was doing the accounting, but it wasn't an accounting mm -hmm. company, but I was doing the accounting, which is how I got into accounting because I couldn't afford to hire anybody to do it when I owned my own business, <laughs> you know? Um, so when I went to work for this company, um, we were a consulting firm. And so a lot of what I did was I would go out, meet people to get the business. So I was also doing some business development. And, but then I would go, we would audit, um, we worked with small schools. And we would go in and those, those schools that couldn't afford to hire like, you know, CPAs and stuff like that, we would co-op with them. And so I would go mm -hmm. in and I traveled all over the place and I would go in and I would audit their books on a monthly basis. And then we'd go to dinner and it was so much fun. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> and so when I was, when the so company- that's how you got your social need met. Yes. Yes. And so when I was looking, when the company closed and I was looking at other accounting roles, I was like, I don't want to do that. Do I get to travel? Do I get to go talk to people? And they're like, no, you're going to sit in this office and look at spreadsheets all day long. And I'm like, nah, that's not for me. Not really. So yeah. So mm -hmm. you are exactly right. That proves your point. You know, my needs were being met. 
Yeah. You, 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 I mean, as human beings, we tend to be pretty resourceful about getting our needs met. In your case, it wasn't necessarily available in the like job duty itself of like looking at the spreadsheet mm -hmm. with numbers, but you found a way and you found an environment that you could get that met through going out to dinner with yeah. people. So you could have that experience. Yeah. And I loved going to see all my friends because of yeah. course they were all my friends, right? Yeah. So, okay. So as recruiters, we usually prep our candidates in advance for um, their interviews to make sure they put the best foot forward and they have the best chance of being successful. That's the benefit of having a recruiter behind you, right? So what are some interview tips that you can offer that will help the applicant stand out and just wow those managers? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure you could probably speak better than I could about um, articulating your skill, being able to um, tell your stories in a way that demonstrates the values and the skills. And there's all the frameworks out there, like the star interview method. And that's all really good. Um, and there's something, there's something that I want to add on to that, which is to tell something beyond a star story, but like tell a superpower story. Because mm. the star story will get you in the door, right? That'll get you into the... Um, that'll check the boxes of, okay, this person has these skills and these competencies, which people are obviously looking for, right? But you gotta remember that we're dealing with humans here on the other side of the table who are also have personalities, who also have emotional experiences, who also have their care cards with needs and interests and styles. So this is, this the interview should be really a test run um, where you get to figure out if I'm being fully myself in my care card, in my superpowers, how's that other person doing? Right? So I'll tell you a story about this. One of my first clients was somebody who um, I think you, you, I remember you describing yourself as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, the person I'm about to describe, you'll probably relate to because she's also an entrepreneur. Um, so she was working as a, as a market research lead in you know, a fairly large corporation and um, was really successful in her, in her performance of her job, but she was feeling like she was stagnating um, and wasn't getting the kind of like recognition and advancement that she should have been got, getting for the results that she was producing. And we got into it and, and the reason for that was that her her particular flavor of superpower was that um, in a, in a really beautiful way she is a rule breaker, <laughs> um, and not in a destructive way, right. but in the service of like doing something better, doing something faster, doing it more efficiently. She's willing to question long-standing assumptions about how something gets done, and and partner with unlikely characters in order to make that happen and build coalitions of people to, to have that happen. And she's really remarkably diplomatic and heartfelt about it. And so she was concerned about if she was going to showcase this in an interview, she might get the same reaction that she got in her job, which was that she basically got her wrist slapped for doing these things in their service. Um, and so I encouraged her to be actually to play it up more, to not be afraid of being polarizing, 
right? Because when you are fully yourself and fully exhibiting these things that are core to who you are, then you're going to get a really good read on, you know, if the, if, if the person sitting in front of you vibes with that and is looking for that beyond the fulfillment of the basic job duties, they're going to light up and they're going to say, oh my God, I want that. Right. And that's how you'll differentiate yourself from the hundreds of other applications who have the same skill set, but may not bring the same particular style or superpower. And I tell this story and I often get pushback about it like, oh, but being polarizing means that there will be people who don't want that. Right. To which I say, yes. And thank goodness, because can you imagine showing up as somebody who's like, I break down inefficient processes and, and make, you know, untraditional, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. Right. Do you think that would appeal to, to a place that would make her miserable? Mm -mm. Right. So, so you stand out to the people that you want to stand out to, and you repel the people you want to repel. I love that you just said that because that is like my motto in life. You know, I mm -hmm. tell people all the time, what you see is what you get. I'm going to show up the same today, tomorrow, and the next day. And they're like, <laughs> but yeah, but what if people don't like you? And I'm like, not my tribe. Yep. It's okay. Not everybody's going to like me. I know I'm a lot. So <laughs> it's, it's fine. But you may not like me today, but you may like me tomorrow. So yeah, well, career satisfaction is all about building your tribe, but in your career. Exactly. And you don't want to work somewhere that you can't show up fully present and fully authentic every single day. Correct. That's not the right role. You will be miserable. So mm -hmm. totally agree with you on all that. Um, so what's one piece of advice you wish every job seeker could know? Um, take the time to ask yourself, what would I like? What do I want? What will have me thrive? We are conditioned to ask ourselves instead, what can I do? What am I good at? And hopefully it's clear by everything that I've said to this point, you matter, right? You are the person who's doing the job. You're the one who's putting in the 40, 50, 60 hours into, you know, you're the one devoting the best hours of your day. Mm -hmm. So you may as well get something out of it, right? Yep. I, 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 I truly believe that everyone has the right to ask that question, to get answers and to have that be a reality for them. You know, you said two words that I just think we could have just ended the show as soon as you said it. <laughs> you matter. Yeah. I think that's so important. That was, that was awesome. So, all right. Well, we are to the lighter part of the show. And I would like to ask you our VIP questions. Are you ready? You look excited. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Hit me. All right. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, um, <laughs> my wife and I and our dog survived the pandemic together. <laughs> you know, um, so I would absolutely bring them. You get one more. Oh, we got one more. Um, a, <laughs> you 
you're gonna laugh um or, so. or want to hit me i'm not sure i'm not sure which <laughs> um a teleportation device to defeat the premise of the question because i can't help but be a little bit subversive uh, <laughs> hey i've had people refuse to go yeah yep yeah well okay so so now we're we're getting a little bit into like this is why i'm an entrepreneur because i i i need to break things <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So you kind of alluded a little bit to this earlier, but I just, I want a real clear answer. What's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Yeah. I really revel in making my coffee. Like I'm, I, I, this, is, this was already a thing for me before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, it just grew to a possibly problematic level <laughs> where I am like my coffee bar now has like a, you know, a kettle, a grinder, at least three, four, five different ways to make coffee um, where I get to like pay attention to like the tiniest details of how I do it. And there's, there's, there's a technique that I teach in my, in my, um, in my course about how to create your care card. And mm -hmm. one of them, one of the techniques is to do something called writing a timeless story. It's a moment where you're just so absorbed in what you're doing that you're in flow, you're, you lose track of time. For me, making coffee is one of those things. And you can, you can take these stories and extract so much good information about what makes a person tick. And so for me, like ever since I wrote that story about myself, I've been really paying attention to like, there's an artistry that I get to exercise every single morning. There's uh, an opportunity for variety and choice and agency. I get to choose which kind of coffee. Am I going to do pour over today? Am I going to do espresso today? Am I going to get a drip? Right? So these are things that just sort of like in really, really small ways feed my care card. Great. Now I have another exercise to do from you. Thanks so <laughs> much. <laughs> I have to work on my story. Okay. Well, speaking of stories, if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Here lies Anthony, or article, not tombstone, but same thing, right? Maybe. Um, maybe. Um, like endless tinker. I just like taking things and really looking at what makes them tick. You know, I did that. That's what I did. So this, we're talking superpowers now, right? This is what yeah. I did as a marketing analytics person. This is what I do with careers. This is what I do with people when I sit down with them. I love it. How do people find you? What if they need help? They can go to untamedcareer.com or they can go uh, and check out the workshop, Plan Your Career Pivot. It's conveniently, planyourcareerpivot.com. And isn't there a book, Untamed Career as well? There is not. Did there I make that will up? be there at will, some point. Maybe that's what I was thinking. We talked. About. You know, I actually, ever since we talked, that you were the one who planted the idea in my head. And I was like, there is a book in me. It's it's just got to be written. It's got yeah. You got to let it germinate. It'll mm -hmm. come to you. Now you've already mm -hmm. you, it's, your subconscious is working on it. You can't it, help it. It has actually it has actually crystallized to the point where I have an outline and I'm yeah yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that is so I'm awesome. slightly intimidated by it but it's it's a thing it'll be fun yeah 
you'll have fun with it. So call me when you get ready to publish. Yeah. I've made all the mistakes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I will definitely be knocking on your door. Absolutely. I'll be right here for you. So Anthony, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. And I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Well, thank you. And so are you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.